The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Pushback, bellwethers, and deficits will decode. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you're here. We are going to be busy, but let's get right to it. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist. Welcome. It's great to be here. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Yes, thank you, Danny. And lots to talk about. And let's start with the big number, the S&P 500 closing over 5,000. And the Dow Jones coming up on 40,000, just short of that at 39,000. And I have to remember when Professor Siegel, the Wharton professor, said during the middle of the pandemic, I believe it was in the first quarter of 2020, when the Dow Jones got to about 18,000, he made this bold prediction Mm -hmm. that it would be above 40,000 in five years. And look at where we are, Brian. I know it's pretty incredible as far as, you know, if you think about just all the fear that was out there in the first quarter of 2020 with the pandemic, for somebody to come out and say, we'll get through this is kind of basically what he was saying is that, you know, he's famous for the idea of stocks for the long run. And really five years in the grand scheme of things isn't that long. But when you were going through the pandemic, that probably felt like an eternity. And then the distance to go from around 19,000 up to close to 40,000, nearly doubling. And that doesn't even include dividends. Right. Like if you think about the Dow, those companies oftentimes kick off pretty good dividends. You reinvest those dividends, take advantage of the power of compounding. You could have done quite a bit better. And I will tell you, when I started this business in the 1980s, I think the Dow was around 4,000, 3,000. So it's become a long (laughs) ways uh, in my career, but it's certainly brings to the top of mind FOMO or the fear of missing out when people see these big numbers. Oh, it does. Yeah. And really, when I talk to people in the media, they always tend to call when you're around these round numbers because they say that they're psychologically important. And they are. You know, people take notice because you suddenly turn on CNBC, Fox Business News, Bloomberg, whatever it is, or even on the nightly news, they will talk about when you hit these certain milestones. Interestingly, we seem to hit these milestones much more frequently nowadays. And keep in mind, it used to be that these new highs used to be old hat in the sense that if you're at a new high, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's only down from here. Right. And you think about it, that this is not a two cocktail idea to think about Dow 50,000, because that's really only about 20% from here. As you said, we can get to those bigger numbers quicker. So the question remains, why is this happening? And really, there's two things that are happening right now that's just top of everyone's mind. Number one is what the Federal Reserve is doing. And number two, their earnings report Mm -hmm. that we're receiving. Yeah. In terms of what the Fed is doing, they have given some of that pushback against the idea that they need to cut soon and cut often. Uh, And really, I think the key thing, though, was the messaging around why they can wait. Because the economic numbers have been so much better than expected, they think that there's little risk to waiting a little bit longer just to make sure inflation is indeed coming down. And then it gets to your second point about the earnings numbers. That's some of the evidence that the economic numbers have been improving. We did have an earnings recession last year where you had two consecutive quarters in a row of declines in earnings 
cents per share. But boy, that bounce back was pretty strong. So let's dig deep on both of those topics. We started the show with pushbacks, and that really started last Sunday night when Chairman Powell was on 60 Minutes. Yeah, that was an interesting interview. And uh, really, he tried to just restate everything that he's already said before. He didn't really want to break new ground in terms of saying what they might do. It was just to reiterate that they feel like they can afford to wait a little bit longer to cut. They want to make sure that they have enough evidence and that the public has enough confidence in them that they have indeed tamed inflation. So when I look at some of the numbers as far as, let's say, on a three-month and six-month basis, the run rate for inflation, I think that the Fed has basically gotten back towards their target. We are sustainably there. We don't necessarily have to worry about another wave of inflation coming. And while the Fed might believe that too, because of how strong the economic numbers have been, they feel like let's just be on the safe side and wait just a little bit longer. And one of the reasons why people don't feel so great about the economy right now, despite that their 401k plans are going up and they see these big numbers, is because of inflation, because the costs have gone up. Over the last three years, they're up about 20%. Everything from your housing costs to fueling your car have gone up, grocery stores. And that's the reason why people are a bit dour on it. You look at what the Fed is saying. They were late to the game for hiking rates. Yep, that's right. They were. And I appreciated that he admitted that. I mean, to me, that actually is kind of a testimony to his character that he will admit when they made a mistake. And they don't want to compound the mistake by making another mistake on the other side of it. Right. So they were late to hiking. They don't want to be too late for cutting, but they feel like there's little risk of that. So they don't want to be too soon for cutting. And the reason why he says that he's comfortable is because of the fact that inflation is a bit stickier than they thought it would be. And that really comes from wage inflation. It does, which feeds into the services, which is a much bigger part of the inflation basket. It used to be that goods price inflation was a bigger part of what people purchased, but now it's really dominated by services. And there still is that lingering worry about whether or not wage inflation is going to feed into the service sector price inflation. So far, so good, though. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, Dave Spano, our president and CEO. That's our Week in Review, always available on demand at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts, also in the Axiom newsletter. If you're not getting that, sign up for it. It's free. Still to come, IRS red flags, plus Ask Annex. Also, a look at the downsides of supporting adult children. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks for listening. We're going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude. Others, a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Welcome back on the air, on the stream, on the podcast. Hey, want to get a webinar on your radar? Financial planning through 2024 volatility, as we think it's going to be here, happens Wednesday, February 14th, 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central. And now we know many of you listen on the stream across the country and around the world, according to our analytics. In fact, 
Next to the United States, our number two and number three countries are Spain and France. Hopefully, those are clients living the good life. Right. We're glad you're here. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, chief economist, is here. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Danny, you started the show talking about bellwethers, and we're right in the middle of earnings season, and it's been a good one. Three quarters of the companies have reported better than expected, and here we go talking about some of the big name stocks. That's right. Yeah, earnings expectations have been exceeded, and we're coming in at a run rate of around 2.9% earnings growth year on year compared to an expectation of closer to 1.5%. Two of the things from a more kind of macroeconomic perspective that I like watching are the shipping companies and then also big heavy equipment companies. So Caterpillar reported and I found that to be somewhat encouraging because they're getting a lot more new orders coming in. Used to be that as went China, so went Caterpillar basically and that seems to no longer be the case so much. China is still having a few struggles, but Caterpillar is seeing more domestic demand for their heavy equipment. And then on the shipping side, you had the big shipping company Maersk. They've been affected by the conflict in the Middle East, especially the Red Sea. They cut their dividend. That's always painful to see, obviously. And the reason why they had to do that is they're having to reroute. That's right, exactly. So one third of their ships would go through the Red Sea, but now they actually have to go around the Horn of Africa. That's a much longer route, and they can charge a premium for that almost like sort of a risk premium for the shipping, but it is also more costly for them. And they're also warning that during COVID, there was such a buildup of excess ships and containers that when we do eventually get through that uh, Middle East conflict, that they're afraid that really shipping costs are just going to come down pretty dramatically. Okay, Professor, this is a math quiz. So the expectation for earnings of the S&P 500 is about 235. So we're looking at the S&P 500 right around 5,000, so north of 20, I guess, is the math on that one, right? It it is, yes. Yeah, Yeah, and actually, that's a great round number. Earlier in the show, we were talking about the importance of round numbers, and I think that around 20 for a multiple on earnings is an important one. Uh, It's not at what we would call nosebleed levels, but it is one where we do feel like it is prudent to be a little bit more cautious. So valuations, these market multiples, they're horrible market timing tools, but they do tend to give you some information when they get to some extremes. And so we're gonna have to monitor pretty closely as far as how much faster do prices run up relative to those earnings expectations. So real quickly, I wanna talk about deficits and the CPI report that came out this week. Yeah, so with the deficits, the Congressional Budget Office came out and they basically lowered their projections for future deficits to the tune of about $1.7 trillion. Now, you do spread that over 10 years. This government gridlock that we have had, it's actually somewhat frozen spending at current rates. Revenues have grown faster. So that's somewhat encouraging news. We also got CPI numbers as far as the seasonal adjustment numbers. Those were changed. And thankfully, it was a big nothing burger in terms of people were worried about, are we going to see what we had last year where suddenly inflation was worse than originally reported? This time it came in spot on basically with what it originally was. The two parts of the report that jumped out at me, number one was renters equivalent rates were still up. So rent costs were going up, number one. And number two is there's still pressure on wages. Dave Swano is our president and CEO. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist. Hey, the IRS is promising a very active audit season. Who are they looking for? How can you eliminate red flags? We're going to talk to a couple of members of our financial planning team. They're keeping an eye on that, and that's coming up next after a break. 
This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Market volatility, global issues, inflation, still. More than a few headwinds this year. That's probably why Americans feel uncertain about their financial futures. Boomers, not much room for error. Gen X might need more than a 401k. And for millennials, it's time to get real about saving and investing. Talk to Annex Wealth Management. Build security with a partner on your side for unbiased advice. You may need more than investments. That's why Annex delivers tax and estate planning. There's an Annex plan personalized for you. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? The Treasury Department has directed the IRS, which has received an infusion of billions of dollars earmarked for enforcement, to avoid increased scrutiny on small businesses and households below $400,000 in income. Instead, focusing on large corporation, high income, and high net worth individuals and complex pass-through entities. But what does that mean? Or better yet, what's likely to raise a red flag? Joining me, Eric Strom, financial planning manager, CFP, and an EA, enrolled agent with the IRS. Hello, Eric. Hello, Danny. Jenny Jesse is here, too. She's a financial planning specialist, CFP, and also an EA, enrolled agent with the IRS. Hello, Jenny. Hi, Danny. The IRS has indicated that it will increase attention on high net worth individual taxpayers, especially those with income exceeding a million dollars and more than $250,000 in recognized tax debt. Aren't those individuals already targets? Yes, of course, because they are owing that money for tax debt. However, high-income individuals, they're actually at historically low audit rates, and the IRS wants to reverse that. And they want to make headlines. They want to put up some big numbers. So they actually identified 1,600 high-net-worth, high-income individuals who met that criteria. And in a matter of months, they recovered almost half a billion dollars. And this really sends a message, right? It really sets a tone. One issue that the IRS is paying closer attention to is large deductions or tax credits that look outsized compared to a taxpayer's income. Cracking down on unreported income is also high on the agency's list. Now, I'm not an EA, but that would seem kind of obvious. Right. The IRS compares the deductions taken on your tax return to the average deductions claimed by taxpayers with a similar income. These can include things like state and local taxes paid, medical expenses, and charitable donations, to name just a few. Deductions that exceed that average may be subject to greater scrutiny to ensure the taxpayer is truly eligible for those deductions that will reduce the amount of tax they pay. The same goes for tax credits. With increased audit rates, it's important now more than ever to have proper documentation to support credits and deductions. Regarding that unreported income, most of a taxpayer's income is automatically reported to the IRS via tax forms such as a W-2 from your employer or a 1099 from your financial institution. So if the IRS notices a discrepancy between what's reported on your tax return and the information they received from these tax forms, that can raise a red flag. How about digital assets? I mean, digital assets in general, kind of the Wild West, is that the same thing with tax law? Yeah, so digital assets are newer to the scene and keeping up with the rules surrounding them for tax purposes is important to help avoid an audit. Transactions involving a digital asset are generally required to be reported on a tax return, such as a gain on the sale of the asset. And there's even a checkbox at the very top of the tax return asking if you've had any transactions with digital assets during the year, showing that this is something that the IRS is really paying close attention to. You can't just say, I don't recall. No, that's not an answer. We're with Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP and an EA enrolled agent with the IRS. Same thing with Jenny Jesse, financial planning specialist, CFP and an EA. Who's most vulnerable to full audits? I would be concerned if you 
for one, own a closely held business, any kind really, but especially if you're a member of a partnership, particularly large or complex partnerships, they've been specifically identified as a target. But really, if you're using any business planning strategy that's trying to avoid paying self-employment tax, they have come out and said that's a target. So you are more vulnerable. Also, if your income is over, say, a million dollars or even 400000 a year, you are more of a target as well. Is it because there's more complexity that means there's more ways that you can try to deduct? Yes, exactly that. And also, I think that it's a little bit more worth it to put in all the man and woman power to really audit that because there's just more unpaid tax there with the higher income and the higher complexity. Let's take the man and woman out of it. Are they starting to use AI too? Yeah, so artificial intelligence will help the IRS better detect fraud and comb through information specifically to audit those large partnership tax returns that can be very complex. And AI will also improve tax return selection to avoid burdening taxpayers with needless no change audits. That's where a tax return is selected for audit, but ultimately no change is made at the conclusion of the audit. So reducing the occurrence of these will save time and stress for both taxpayers and the IRS. Is this true? The IRS has indicated they're planning more cross-division collaboration, which means that if an individual taxpayer gets audited, may reasonably expect to have their business, their trust, their estate, their gift and foundation of nonprofits open for scrutiny as well? Yes, I have heard some continuing education providers and other experts saying that the IRS might struggle to hire enough talented people to do that. However, they've specifically come out and said, we're going to find that weak link in the chain. But then once they find that, we're going to look at every link in that chain, right? And have them all scrutinized. So I do think it's more important than ever to be very thoughtful and intentional about this, but also think that they're getting very ambitious and it's really going to say, hey, are they going to be able to execute on this or not? Eric, what's the moral of this story? Stay above board. Use strategies that are not overly aggressive. There are definitely aggressive strategies out there still being used. Have very good documentation and just be thoughtful and intentional when you're using tax strategies to ensure that you are not wealth shifting or doing other, uh, you know, using tax shelters or other very aggressive strategies because I think we might start to see more and more scrutiny in those areas. Eric Strom, financial planning manager, CFP, and an EA, enrolled agent with the IRS. Thank you. Thanks. Jenny Jesse, financial planning specialist, CFP, also an EA, enrolled agent with the IRS. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Every day, market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only fiduciary, uniquely equipped to assist with a variety of our clients, greatest generation to millennials, contained within those groups are Generation X, and that's what we're going to talk about here. To do so, joined by Jeff Day, Wealth Manager and Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Danny. You are Gen X, aren't you? I am. Okay, so what defines that? Yeah, so Gen Xs are essentially those that are born in the early 60s to late 70s. So if you're in that age band, typically after the uh, baby boomer generation and before the other uh, generations, Gen Y and et cetera, 
Europe that you're going to be a Gen Xer. Okay. Most of Gen X is not quite on the doorstep of retirement, but they're in the neighborhood. And that Mm -hmm. means many should increase focus and take some definitive steps at this point. Let's talk about Gen X and retirement. Many Gen Xers are performing a balancing act. They've got careers. They've got aging parents. College expenses are coming up. It would be natural but a mistake to put off investment and retirement planning, right? Absolutely. So we think about, for a lot of folks, they think of retirement just 10 years out. And when we think about retirement planning, it needs to happen a lot sooner than that. And Gen Xers are squarely in that category. So at this point for Gen Xers, how critical is it to reassess risk and align a portfolio and a plan? I guess risk first. Yeah. So if we think about risk specifically, 2022 offered us a, a heavy reset on risk tolerances in general. When we think about the S&P 500 being down close to 19% for the calendar year, that got a lot of us to reassess our risk generally and how we view volatility relative to the stock market. And if we think about financial planning, well, we think it's for everybody, regardless of the age, everybody along that eight spectrum, whether you're a millennial or even younger than millennial, you need a financial plan along the way to make sure that you're doing the things along your career throughout your working life and uh, beyond to make sure we're on the right track. Same with baby boomers and those that are even part of the greatest generation that are still with us. Jeff, you work with a lot of different clients. If you're working with somebody from Gen X, they've hired Annex Wealth Management. Are we usually their first advisor? Sometimes, sometimes not. And, And so if they've prepared well, they've been in the advisory world, but I will tell you, it's a breath of fresh air for a a lot of them that come in the first time and they, they explore Annex and what we have to offer. In fact, I had somebody tell me here recently, the whole suite of services that we offer is very comprehensive. So they've had to kind of build and piecemeal things in their life before coming to Annex. And now that they're part of the Annex family, they understand the value in the different disciplines that we offer. If they haven't done it and they've done it themselves, they haven't explored working with a professional, their eyes are open to things they weren't even aware that they were blind to. And that's really helpful when we think about this conversation and how we serve clients every single day. And it goes right into that know the difference that we always say. We're with Jeff Day, branch director and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about Gen X and retirement. Okay, because of market volatility, people you feel have pushed back retirement target dates, especially maybe with Gen X? Relative to Gen X, they can be a bit off. Now, I'm a, I'm a very young Gen X, or I'm very handsome, young-looking <laughs> uh, Gen X, and let's just put it out there. But with respect to the late 70s, that's a different dichotomy. You're maybe early to mid-40s, um, maybe you're thinking about retirement in the 60s. But, you know, if you're early 60s, you're on the older end of that Gen X, you might be within that red zone of, of retirement. So you're thinking about really when it comes down to, when is my last day? When, when are we thinking about you know pulling the pin on retirement? It is a definite conversation for those that are on the older end of Gen X, but I will tell you, I've had a number of conversations where given the volatility and the market fluctuations, they're rethinking whether they can continue to you know, stay on that retirement track. That's why a financial plan makes a lot of sense because we can be agnostic to market volatility because we've planned all the probabilities into the assumptions in the financial plan and we've planned for it in advance. We expect volatility when we're investing in the public stock market and the bond market for that matter. We talk a lot about the portfolio analysis done by our financial planning team. It's really important. It's where we assess things like assets, where they are, and we talk about debt too. Yeah, we want to make sure that we holistically cover the entire person, not just the asset side of the equation, but also the liability side of the equation, and make sure that it's reasonable and serviceable throughout retirement. One thing we really like is we don't sell products. Our advice is free of conflicts of interest. We give you an honest assessment. Maybe you got annuities within your portfolio, and there are times that it makes perfect sense, but there's times that it doesn't. 
Yeah, there is. And, and I think a recent case here, I had someone uh, come into our office and they have uh, several annuities and we just did a thorough analysis into each one of them and talked to the pros and cons and the objective analysis to say this one makes sense and this one does not to keep. And for the ones that do, you know, we'll help them along the way and on how that builds into the cash flow. For ones that maybe aren't such a good fit for whether it's fees or the conditions that are part of the contract, whatever that happens to be for them, we'll work through the exit strategy and how that works from a tax taxation perspective and also as allocation. Really important to just understand it objectively and, and clients really appreciate that when we're objective and fee agnostic. Just fee only advice is what we what we offer here. Hey Jeff, my last question is does Gen X need estate planning? So that's a resounding yes. Everybody needs estate planning. If we plan to exit this life and we plan to exit this life with some money, we may want to consider estate planning. And again, we we can help you along that way. We are singling out Gen X in this segment. I'm a boomer. I've got the same challenges, though. You might, too. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Jeff Day, Wealth Manager and Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Losing sleep lately, the job, the house, the headlines, or investments... How about the feeling your investment partner isn't a partner at all? They might be operating in someone's best interest, but that someone isn't you. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. It's easy. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click the Get Started button. We work in your best interest as a fiduciary. That commitment runs so deep, we put it in writing. Does your advisor do that? Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Start at AnnexWealth.com. We're back. Let's do Ask Annex. You got a question? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. And if we can help, just click that Get Started button for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Matt Morrissey is investment team manager, also a CFP. He is on the show. Hey. Hey, Danny. And we got Fred Coleman, CFP and a wealth manager. Hello to you. Hey, Danny. Two-parter here. Actually, it's two different questions. I'm taking a new job that has a 403B instead of a 401K. What do I need to know or ask? And the second one, similar, is I took a new job but really liked everything about my old 401K provider. Is that reason enough to keep it where it's at? Let's talk about that 403B first. When it comes to the 403B and the 401K, they're mostly the same. The difference is really just the name and the IRS tax code, code 401K versus code 403B. Now, 403Bs are used for nonprofit organizations. The tax advantages between the two are the same. 403Bs do sometimes have limited investment options, and then 401Ks have a little bit more creditor protection, so they're under ERISA. Most people say you can think of them as the same thing. There are some slight differences, but nothing that stands out in a major way. How about this next one? Person's got the new job, doesn't dig the new 401K, likes the old one. Can they stay there? You can't stay there. I'm a big proponent of always evaluating all of your options. It doesn't hurt to evaluate options. The two things that you look at anytime you're choosing between investments or uh, investment companies is what you're paying and what you're getting for what you're paying. Usually the 401k is going to provide those limited investment options, and you're not going to get much as far as the tax planning, Social Security, retirement planning, all those types of things. If you don't need those things, then standing with the 401k company could be a good option because it's going to be lower cost, but it doesn't hurt to look at other options. Yeah, what I'd be curious about is what's special about the old 401k. Is it something you're just used to, to 
having, you really like the website, you're just habitual about. You know, from an investment point of view, Fred, as you're saying, they're going to be very limited in terms of what's there, 10, 15, 20 different investment options. Most of those investment options are going to be available outside of that 401k as well, too. Uh, most mutual funds are going to have different share classes. So if you had a certain mutual fund that you really liked in there, they might have had a retirement share class in there that's specific to 401ks, but you could find another share class of the exact same mutual fund outside. Um, that's not always the case. There are some that are built specifically for that. There are some special share types that are only built for that as well, too, but likely you'd be able to find something similar. I would take a look at that. You also lose the ability by staying in there to have it actively managed as well, too. So if you want help with those investments, like you said, you can look at the planning side of things, right? And if you don't want that, you could leave it there. But if you want somebody to manage it for you and have their eyes on it all the time, I would look to move it out. But again, I potentially could, you could stay there as well too, if they'll allow you to, because sometimes they might kick you out and say, Hey, you know, you're a burden in our system. We only want active employees to be there. So you can't stay after a certain time period. And sometimes they do force you out if you're below a certain dollar amount of two, where you might get a letter that says, Hey, this is going to be liquidating at X dates if you don't do something prior to that too. But ultimately for my side, I'd be curious what was special about the old 401k. And you probably could match a lot of the benefits that you liked outside. I never want the, you're a burden on the system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's coming. Next up on Ask Annex, the I-bond rate is 5.27% for the next six months. Sounds good. What are the downsides I should consider? From my standpoint, there are a fair amount of restrictions that are on I-bond. So if you're not already in, which is how I'm taking this question, is that you're looking to maybe add money to it. Five and a quarter percent or 5.27% is pretty good over the next six months. Can get similar rates to that in a money market. Difference is the money market, their rate could change at any point in time, um, especially if rates you know, look like they might be getting lower. You know, that's going to move faster down than the, the I-bond rate is. But from an I-bond, just from a standpoint is, and I'm sure there's more restrictions around this, but generally it's a 30-year maturity. You do have a one-year minimum holding period that you can't take money out, so you lose a lot of flexibility in that first year. And if you take out money within the first five years, you lose three months' worth of interest. So if rates go from 5.27 to all of a sudden they're down to four and maybe they're down to three and you want to take it out, well, you're going to lose some of that interest that you received during that time period if you take it out within those first five years. Other ways that you can use the same money, depending on what your end goal for it is, like I said, a money market will give you something similar right now. You can use treasuries or CDs to lock in rates, probably a little bit underneath 5% for shorter term loans. We do have an inverted yield curve right now, so you're not getting a benefit today of going out any longer than that. But you are also running the risk that, hey, if you have a one-year treasury or a year from now in the I-bond, that rates are going to be lower and you're not going to be able to match what you thought you're going to get. So that's a risk there as well, too. But you know, I would look at this in the you know sake of the context of what is your end goal for this money and how does it fit into your overall portfolio? Yeah. And I always look at what's the opportunity cost. I'm always looking at not only comparing that to cash options, but also comparing that to stocks, comparing that to bonds. If this is long term money, even though it may be a smaller portion, usually putting that in stocks is going to be much more beneficial for you in the long run if you're OK with a little volatility. And the bond market is doing great as well right now. So looking at some higher yield bonds, that could also be an option. Fred Coleman, CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. Matt Morrissey, investment team manager, also a CFP. Thanks. My pleasure. That's Ask Annex. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude. 
others a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Amy Bremer is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. You know, we've covered some interesting topics, my friend, but today's a little bit touchy, maybe. It's helping support adult children. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with some stats about empty nesters. 40% are helping support adult kids. The average monthly expenditure, $254. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and that's just the average. Some people are spending a lot more. You know, there's this idea that once the kids are out of the house, that your empty nesters are off the payroll, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. According to our source data, the top expenses that parents help with are first cell phone, (laughs) then rent, then groceries, and lastly, student loan debt is the fourth on that list. We're also finding that millennials are living with their parents longer to help save money. One, rents have just skyrocketed. Rent's insane. And it's really difficult for these younger generations to get on the ownership ladder when buying a home. A separate study also found that 58% of adults could not afford their current lifestyle without their parental help. It's shocking. It's over half. Well, it depends on what kind of lifestyle they want. Ah, touche, touche, but... Getting ahead of myself. That's my the boomer in me. <laughs> and here's where we get into the uncomfortable spot. And this is how to stop financially supporting adult children. Number one, is it important? It is important, but it's also really difficult because the support is coming from a place of love. No parent doesn't love their children enough to throw them a 20 here or there. But problem is, is you're building these bad habits for the children that they become dependent on this money. And maybe that lifestyle creep does creep in. More importantly, from my perspective, from my career, in my my chosen profession as a certified financial planner is how is that money outflow to your children affecting your retirement? Is your financial house in order first? Is your retirement fully funded? Do you have any student loan debts or car payments that you need to take care of first? See, Amy is not a big meanie. There is that meat and potatoes reason. You are affecting your own retirement. What about loans to adult children? Is it okay if there's at least enforceable terms in place? We did it with one of our sons, right? He got out of college, wanted to go to a tech school. He's going to be a police officer. Needed that. We figured out a way to do that. And as soon as he started earning, and he started earning right away, we had a repayment plan. I'm glad it worked for you because a lot of folks, it doesn't. The challenge that I have with that is, is it enforceable? And you could always sign a promissory note, even if it's on a Word document, you know, I promise to pay mom and dad back, yada, 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 love kid. It's not enforceable, really, because it's kind of a handshake agreement. So, and then the other topic is, do you charge interest? If you don't charge interest, and if the IRS finds out, they're going to go back and charge this thing called imputed interest, which is the implied interest that you should have charged but if you do where they find it, you could be in big trouble. Adult children sometimes move in with parents. You, you mentioned that, hopefully temporarily. Should there be a rent agreement in place? And I'll see this with some of my friends. Their kids are living at home. And I do, I ask, are, are they paying rent? Because I think the average person who lives in the house is running up expenses. I mean, there's, there's food, there's utilities, there's all sorts of things. Yeah, a rental agreement is a good idea. There was this story in the news a few months back about this guy who was 40 some odd years old that had to get evicted from his parents' house. They literally took him to court because he would not leave. 
So it's always good to have a temporary place to land if something bad happens, like maybe they're in between leases or they're trying to move out of state. But it's always good to have something formalized, an end date. So that way mom and dad know when it's ending and then the kid knows what the expectations are for the future. You mentioned cell phones earlier. I've got a Venmo account, and for some reason, people share or what they're spending money on or what they're getting Isn't money for. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, but, but, you know, I see that all the time. It's going to be like, you know, cell phone. And maybe it's the family plan and they're paying them back, but it, it's things like that. Yeah, in fact, at the Bremer House, we have that exact same situation with we have a family plan with my father-in-law and my stepson, and we get payments from... Jake, my stepson, <laughs> dad is a little bit harder to collect money from, but you know what you just do for your folks. But it's honestly, it's less expensive for both of them if we collaborate and put all of our plans on one family plan, and then we just have to pay collector. But I think the biggest thing is, is that if you're laying out this money each month and it's significant money, you are affecting your own retirement plan. And that would really get our attention as financial planners. Yes. And in my practice with Annex as a certified financial planner, there are some families that I work with where they spend too much money on their children. And we've addressed that. And But it's really hard to cut that cord. Again, this help comes from a place of love. You don't want your children to fail, but you also don't want to pull that rug out from underneath them so quickly that they have a big catastrophic fall. It's an issue that we need to identify and course correct for a successful retirement for mom and dad. It's hard, but Amy has outlined the case to at least consider taking some necessary steps. Amy Bremer, Wealth Manager, CFP, Annex Wealth Management. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Always my pleasure, Danny. Market volatility, global issues, inflation, still more than a few headwinds this year. That's probably why Americans feel uncertain about their financial futures. Boomers, not much room for error. Gen X might need more than a 401k. And for millennials, it's time to get real about saving and investing. Talk to Annex Wealth Management. Build security with a partner on your side for unbiased advice. You may need more than investments. That's why Annex delivers tax and estate planning. There's an Annex plan personalized for you. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News with Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. Hi, Danny. You know, if you listen to the show frequently, folks, you know that we will talk about investments mostly from the perspective of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee, but we're not giving stock picks. We're not talking about specific funds. This segment is going to talk about investing, but it's going to be slightly different. It is really coming from the place of what should you invest in now that will pay off down the road. All right, let, let me kind of explain that. You know, we talk a lot about save, 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 and that's important, but we want you to invest in things that will benefit you in retirement so you don't regret it. And we're going to go over the list. Robert, let's talk about the investments in health and wellness. And I know you have been at the forefront of this often because to stay active, to stay healthy is everything. Well, Danny, health is your greatest wealth. When you head into retirement, if you're suffering, you know, some health ailments, it can really derail a lot of your plans in retirement. So while you're working, and we've talked about this on many shows Work on your health. I mean, get all those appointments in. Get any any type of procedure that you think you might be done. 
and, and I'll go out on a limb here. I turned 60 this year, and I'm doing my NASCAR pit stops, <laughs> you know, yeah. for the certain yeah. things. You just want to go in and get tuned up a little bit. And I want to do it now so, you know, I can keep refing and stay active and keep moving in retirement instead of sitting on the couch with the remote control. Yeah, you know, this is the debate that I've got all the time because I've got this bad knee. And it's like, when am I going to get this thing taken care of? And I don't want to be limping around, you know, when I'm 70 and 80, you know, do I take care of it now? It's that kind of thinking. It, it is. And, you know, Danny, you heal faster the younger you are. So I would <laughs> encourage you to get that done uh, very soon. Yeah, too late for that. Too late for the younger healing thing. Let's talk about spending on our homes. And I guess this isn't about, you know, putting an addition on, but maybe it's about making your house more livable as we age. Well, and livable is a great point there. Get rid of the rugs. <laughs> that's that's the one thing my wife says uh, most uh, uh, retired people trip over are the rugs. If you need windows, if you need doors, do it while you're still working so you can kind of, you know, uh, absorb that cost a little bit while you are still working. And you think about windows probably last 25 years. So if you replace them when you're 60, 65, there you go. Maybe maybe you're done then, you know, do you need a new roof, uh, AC, all the things that we really rely on down here in southwest Florida. Try and do that stuff while you are still working, and then you can kind of cruise into retirement without any huge hits unless we do get hit by a storm and you sustain some damage. You know what we trip over all the time in our, our house? Dogs. Dogs. <laughs> Dogs. We've got, you know, if my wife that's is cooking. That's number two. That's right. If my wife is cooking, she's got at least two dogs right underfoot. We're talking with Robert Chastain, branch director and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida, talking about stuff that you really can kind of invest in now that will pay off. I'm not quite sure about this. We, we've talked about it before. You got to have your retirement plan in place. All right. Let's underline that. If you can, according to the plan, and that's an important distinction, some folks regret not investing to spend and help adult children reach important milestones. Whew, Danny, this is a touchy subject, you know, because yeah. some parents, um, you know, jump out of the helicopter and, you know, or drop dollars out of the helicopter, and other parents try and pay for very little and make their kids stand on their own two feet so they have that more feeling of I can do this and they have more confidence so which which way is better I, I mean I'm not going to sit here and judge that but as parents if you have the means and can provide a little boost to your kids I'm, I'm not going to criticize you for it yeah again the, the big thing is to have the plan same thing for grandchildren's education right I have to say my uh, in-laws have done a 529 for all the grandkids and, you know, now watching all the grandkids use the 529, get educated, I like that option. One of them did not choose to use the 529, and they went back to the general fund. Mm. <laughs> so if you do at least put some money out there for your grandkids, that's a great option. But handing young kids a lot of money, I don't believe is a good option. Yeah, I would tend to agree on that. The, the last one is the fun one. And this is really, if you can, and if the plan supports it, uh, talking about the priceless gift of travel experiences. You, you know what, Danny? I heard an amazing quote uh, last weekend. And I know we're, you know this is Sunday, but it was last weekend. Somebody looked at me and said, in 100 years from now, who is going to remember you? 
And I kind of thought about it. I thought, probably no one. So enjoy your family. Enjoy your travel. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your journey before it's over because the time that we do spend on earth is kind of short. And basically, when you think about 100 years, nobody on this planet's going to really remember you. That's, um, it was kind of sobering thought. And it, it, it's interesting that this question came up today because that's, that's one thing that hit me when, you know, when you asked me that. It's like, probably the other thing, Danny, have you ever seen a Brinks truck following a hearse to a, to a <laughs> no. cemetery? Nope. No. Don't cheat yourself out of a, a good life, but then make sure it's built into the plan and you, you don't outlive your money. I'm going to go see if there's any mimosas left in the kitchen. All right. We are ready to assist <laughs> with investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, know the difference, folks. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Quick break. We'll be back on 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch every day. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Amy Bremer is a wealth manager at Annex. She's back. Welcome back. It's Danny. We've talked a lot about success in retirement. We absolutely, positively want to help you get there, but mm -hmm. we want you to have success there, to be challenged, to be fulfilled, to be loving life. So a while back, we put a poll up on Axiom, our free weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management, and the poll question was, if you're already in retirement, what do you know now you wish you'd known pre-retirement? The goal was to glean a little wisdom, and, and boy, we sure did. Yeah, this is a good question. Yeah, we're going to go over some stuff with Amy, and Amy, you've worked with a lot of clients, both on the way to retirement as well as in retirement. We had general answers that were kind of investment-oriented, retirement-oriented living in retirement orient and then some fun stuff at the end we'll start with investments and one that summed it up for many to put more money into Roth accounts rather than tax deferred accounts that came up a lot it did and I caution folks who are in retirement right now to not put too much pressure on themselves about that because the Roth IRA didn't exist when you were young in retirement in your low income years where it made sense to actually make those Roth IRA contributions younger folks like myself I'm a, I'm a older millennial I'm I can do that because it's been around for most of my life. But for older folks, I say don't put too much pressure on yourself. Anything you have in a Roth is golden unicorns. My reaction was typical. It's like, I don't want to pay net tax now. Yeah. I should have paid tax then. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But again, don't beat yourself up. Focus on the current and the present. A lot of people said that. One person said, understood the benefits advantage of putting some funds into a Roth, the power of a Roth IRA or the 401k. A lot of power there. A lot of power. And I get really excited about this, Danny, because it's the power of tax-free compounding and growth. Powerful isn't even a powerful word enough to describe it. What do you know now that you'd wish you would have known pre-retirement? A recent Axiom newsletter asked that question. I'm with Amy Bremer, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Let's pivot. Let's move to advice about living in retirement. This is kind of the fun stuff. And here's one. This sums it up. 
I'll quote it. I wish I'd been psychologically prepared for the switch from accumulation to depletion. We're so focused for many years on saving and building wealth, watching our balances grow, and it's been difficult to accept now that it's time to enjoy fruits of the labor and perfectly okay to watch balances diminish. The competitive side of me doesn't like to see balances decrease, but that happens. That's powerful and so true. So whoever wrote that, I sincerely thank you for that. I struggle with some families with this in the practice here as a certified financial planner at Annex because you've been accumulating for what, 35, 40 years worth of a career and now all of a sudden it's okay to take it out. It's really hard to change that mindset. And you could say it's okay, it's okay, yeah. but it's really hard to do. I'm I'm a glass half empty guy. Mm-hmm. I just always have. So I think I'm going to struggle with this. And it's okay to struggle, but working with a professional like someone with Annex can help you realize it's okay to spend that down. And I tell folks, I give you permission to buy that. And yeah. it helps them with that psychological block. Here's another one that people wish they would have known pre-retirement that I would miss having colleagues. How profound. Again, retirement is so glamorized. It's this huge destination we want to get to, but part of it is a journey. And so much of our American identities are tied up in our jobs. What's the first question you ask somebody, you meet them at a cocktail party? Oh, where do you work? What do you do? That's so much of our identity. And to lose that is challenging. Here's another great answer. How important it is to retire to something. Boy, we said that so many times. Yeah. And that kind of parlays into the question we just talked about. So many financial advisors focus on the numbers a lot, which is important to have the numbers work. But what we're lacking in is that soft, what are you going to do? What are your hobbies? Do you want to travel? Do you have grandchildren and children that you want to spend time with? Filling that gap that work used to take up is really important to have a satisfying and fulfilling retirement. What do you know now that you wish you would have known pre-retirement? We got some fun responses as well. I love this. You can do it if you have a goal. We did it. I know. Isn't that great? And it's so exciting when people do it. You get you celebrate their successes with them. It's really fun for me in practice. But you have to have a, a plan and a goal and a map and track your pace along the way and adjust as things change. But it was with anything, you know, you don't build a house without a blueprint. This is the blueprint to your retirement. You ever find that people can say, you know, I, I've got a goal, but really without the plan, you're not going to hit that goal. It's more of a pie in the sky kind of thing without putting it to paper. Yeah. Here's one. And we did not set this up. Wish I had teamed up with Annex a lot earlier. Yeah, not to humble brag, but I hear that often. Yeah. And, you know, we wish you would have done this earlier. And then I say, you know what, then tell your kids. Tell your kids to come talk to us. Let us help them when they're earlier in the career to lay the foundation for a nice house that is called retirement. Absolutely. Getting started is the hardest part. Having a guide whose goal is to truly help you and not win some sort of sales contest, that seems to be the better idea. We're ready to help financial, retirement, tax, and estate planning. First stop, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Amy Brimmer, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Good stuff. Thank you for joining us. Always my pleasure, Danny. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? That's no problem at all. Give us a call. We're at 239-350-6363. That's 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. We're back. You know, there's many ways to access Annex Wealth Management. On the air, 
on the stream, on the podcast. Another reminder of an important webinar that's coming up. It's Financial Planning Through 2024 Volatility. Happens on Wednesday, February 14th, 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central. All the details at AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Events tab. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our Chief Economist in the studio. Dave Spanos, our President and CEO. It is Super Bowl weekend, and we are a wealth management show, so I thought perhaps we'd bring up some ideas that revolve around dollars spent. And think about this Number one, what do you think, Brian, is the average price of a Super Bowl ticket? Boy, can you buy it directly at the stadium, or do you have to buy it in the aftermarket? Well, if you in an alley from a guy with a trench coat is probably the best place to get it. That's right. Yeah. So probably what is it around ten grand? Yeah, or more something than ten thousand. Like ten thousand seven hundred and fifty-eight dollars for sure. One point one billion dollars is the economic impact to the Las Vegas economy. Here's one that's not directly dollar related. But you know what a PJ is, right? A private oh, yeah. jet. How many do you think are going to fly into Las Vegas this oh, weekend? There's got to be like a thousand or it's, so. It's you, you are you checked the answer key already. It's actually <laughs> a thousand. Uh, no question about that. Seven million dollars, Danny, for the average cost of a thirty-second commercial. And Fox's revenue from this six hundred million dollars. That's a good day. That is a really good day. It's really probably the last big American get-together. And plus, you got the Taylor Swift factor, which is bringing in all these new fans. You could not have written this better for the NFL. Yeah, they, they love it. And, of course, you talk about making bets. There's these things called prop bets. Of course, Taylor Swift is one of the prop bets. There's 350 different prop bets. And what, what does that mean? You know, who's the first player to score a touchdown, for example? What is the length of the national anthem? What is the coin toss going to be, heads wow. or tails? And, for example, what is the color of the Gatorade uh, that's going to get celebrated? So uh, there's lots of stuff that's going on uh, related to the Super Bowl. But let me switch gears in, in let me switch gears in the interest of full disclosure, right, and transparency. Mm-hmm. And you and I worked on a case this week that was all about fee transparency. It really was. Yeah, investors need to know what they own and why they own it, and also how much are you paying to get it. Uh, oftentimes, you know, clients will come in with really a wider range of different investment types. Sometimes there are annuities, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, individual securities. Each one has their own fees associated with with them. And so what we've really tried to do is work through and really bring to light what those fees are. How much are you really paying to get the, those different investment exposure? In our Annex Private Client Group, we worked on a case this week that it was all about how much it costs. It was. And, you know, I do have to say that our clients recognize that sometimes you get what you pay for, right? So you can pay fees and maybe you get a better experience associated with it, but you do need that transparency. And so what we were able to do is actually construct individual securities capabilities for a client as far as individual stocks and bonds instead of using exchange-traded funds or mutual funds. You know, ETFs, exchange-traded funds, mutual funds, they have operating expenses. They have management fees, distribution fees. Those are all taken from that pool of assets that they manage. And oftentimes people kind of fail to look at 
the details about what are you actually paying for? How much are those portfolio managers making? What are they paying the people who are distributing that, that is selling those products to you? And we got a report this past week of terminations from other firms. And guess what the number one reason was? It is because there wasn't fee transparency. So they went to the advisor, air quotes, and they sold them an insurance product or an annuity that they didn't know how much they were paying. Yeah, we don't want to be, you know, penny wise and pound foolish is the old saying. Sometimes you do get what you pay for, but you need to know what you're paying in order to understand what are you paying for. Uh, is it that you are doing transaction charges, uh, fees for going in, fees for getting out, ongoing operating expense fees? These are all things that can add up and really serve as a significant drag, or I think sometimes you've called them frictions in the uh, as far as achieving that long-term financial plan. How about if people aren't getting the or feeling that full value, right, from everything that a, an advisor would bring? I mean, you look at what we do with the investment and the retirement planning and the tax planning and estate planning. That's value. And the fact that some advisors cannot address these complex needs or they don't have the talent on their team is another main reason why we get folks coming to us because of the depth of the talent on the team. Maybe your advisor, if you're not working with Annex Wealth Management, is doing the best they can, but they just aren't staffed up. They just don't have the bench. And you need to have a personalized approach. And as Brian just talked about, a personalized portfolio. Those two pieces, Danny, are really important. Have a personalized financial plan, match that with a personalized portfolio with a talented team. Sounds like a Super Bowl win. Let's talk a little bit more about the three levels of Annex Wealth Management. And Dave, we can start with Annex Ignite, which is a great place to start. And this would be somebody out of college, maybe in their late 20s, that wants to get aimed in the right direction. Brian, then we've got Annex Comprehensive Wealth. And those are people probably, at least if they're on the jet, they can feel that they're maybe they're beginning the descent, right, into <laughs> retirement. It's interesting. We've had more people who are getting into the comprehensive wealth area earlier, recognizing the value of starting early and so plan early and plan often. So it's not just about are you approaching retirement, but even for those who are just entering the careers. And then Annex, private client, complex needs, high net worth. We are just kind of talking about that. We'll meet you where you're at, folks. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. There are so many moving pieces, and it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to get confused. If you want to just live life and you want to put things in the hands of seasoned professionals, partner with Annex. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. See you next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.